welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live. Okay, actually, we're not recorded live. We're in like four different locations. It's brought together by this genius technological advancement. Jerry doesn't understand it, but we'll get him through it. Here he is, Jerry Springer, Hi, ladies Jerry. and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Jerry. Oh, man. Thanks, guys. Hey, good to be back again. And uh, who, who hey, do we are still allowed on air? So, yeah. so good, so good. And <laughs> we've been talking. We're going to figure out a time where we actually, one time, can get physically back together again. Yeah, because we've been doing these for the last, I don't know, two and a half years, uh, yeah. largely because of COVID, solely because of COVID. And yeah. Now <clears throat> we're. Uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I know. I've had uh, had a good friend. Uh, well, it's uh, the lifeguard, Doctor uh, Greg Schran, who Schrand. Uh, is has been on our show before. Is yeah. an expert lifeguard uh, analyst that we go to whenever we have a question about water and stuff. And uh, he got COVID. I've had so I know, and that was like you know two weeks ago. So I know so many people uh, who are still COVID getting it. two weeks Although, ago. I just got the Omicron booster. My wife oh, and I did uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, so I'm feeling kind of fearless these days. But uh, so, how is Doctor Shran doing? Is like I uh, he came, he got a rebound case, like a okay. lot of people I know. Jerry, you've had it. Uh, friend Lewis yeah. has had it. A lot of my neighbors have had it. Uh, and by the way, thank God for the vaccine. Once the vaccine yeah. hit, people stopped going to the hospital and getting on ventilators and dying. And we know yeah. people uh, yeah. who. Uh, befell that so anyway um but yeah i think it's a great idea we should figure out if we can uh bring this whole thing back to where it started ludlow kentucky and uh and doing an episode or more down there i'll look into that hey jerry and uh, we always open the podcast with what is really the heart of the podcast which is some thoughts that you have on a topic and uh what caught your interest this week well, since none of us have actually seen the unredacted documents seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago as a result of the court-sanctioned search warrant, not to mention the unredacted affidavit supporting its issuance, the sight of nearly all Republican politicians circling the wagons in blind defense of Trump seems ridiculously premature. I mean, how could they so vociferously be declaring Trump's innocence when there's no possible way they could know if that's true. No, this is simply the latest manifestation of the once proud GOP descending into a lawless democracy-defying cult. Its motto apparently being, defy the courts, defund the FBI, deconstruct the idea America. All hail our leader. Think about it. If you're a loyal Republican who professes to love our country, wouldn't a more appropriate response to all this be, yes, I voted for Trump. I like him. Plan to vote for him again if he runs. But I certainly hope he hasn't compromised our national security. Because, of course, if he did, that would be a deal breaker. Indeed, shouldn't love of country demand that we first find out what's in those documents who got to see them, were nuclear secrets in fact revealed, and as a result, are we or our allies now subject to blackmail? 
That would be a normal, proper response. But of course, those days are gone. After the outcome of last month's primaries, which brought about the expulsion from the National Republican Party of virtually all Trump critics, how can we not conclude that for a Republican, as the party is now constituted, fealty to Trump takes precedence over fealty to America, the rule of law, and indeed the very security of our republic? Remember, on this issue, we're not debating policy. We're not arguing over taxes, climate change, abortion, or the viability of conservatism. After all, how can anyone be more conservative than Liz Cheney? No, the issue has nothing to do with conservatism. It's more basic than that. The Republican Party has lost its soul. It stands for nothing but its own election. In a Faustian bargain, it has sold its soul to the devil, read Trumpism, a cult for what these politicians think will be a momentary victory in the primaries. But of course, the prize bargained for is never worth the price paid. Come this November or November of 2024, Republicans will have to face a majority of Americans who inspired by either the overturning of Roe or love of our constitution, or by a simple respect for law and justice and what the idea of America really means, these voters will more than likely reject the democracy-defying right wing of what was once a legitimate political party. So how did this hijacking of the GOP come about? Actually, the groundwork predated Trump. You see, for the past century, the Republican Party basically represented interests of big business, large corporations, and the wealthy. Well, since most people aren't wealthy, when the Depression hit in the early 30s, America turned to FDR, leaving Republicans having to face the question of how would they now win elections with only the wealthy as their base? So starting in the late 60s with Nixon and Goldwater, and then Reagan and Gingrich, and the lights of Karl Rove, Rush Limbaugh, and Fox News, the Southern strategy became the roadmap for the deal. Republicans, in effect, saying, you join our party and support us on the agenda of big business and the wealthy, and we'll support you on your cultural issues, such as anti-busing, anti-integration, anti-women, and gays, and immigration. The deal was made, and... Republicans started winning. Of course, whether it's the Bible or literature, we learn that a Faustian bargain never ends well, selling one's soul for an earthly prize. And so it hasn't and won't end well for Republicans who have sold their soul, that is, any sense of morality and honesty, the big lie, to the extreme right wing empowered by Trump for a momentary victory in the primaries. A younger generation, indeed a multicultural one at that, in the long run, is not likely to sign on to the agenda of what used to be a respected political party and is now simply a personality-worshipping, loyalty-demanding cult. The GOP, 1854 to 2022. Rest in peace. <laughs>
So I, I, I actually have a question, like a yes. legit question. So when we look at all this and we're talking about the disparity between wealthy and, and, and poor, I think one of the biggest issues is, one of the problems that I have seen is that somehow in that Trumpianism, people have been made to feel that they are in this wealthy class when they simply aren't. What is yeah. defined, like when, when we're talking about defining as wealth and what defines you as wealthy versus middle-class, what is that line, Jerry? Because I think a lot of people don't quite understand $200,000 a year is not a wealthy family in the, this country anymore. So let's talk about like, what is that number anymore that defines wealth from middle-class? I think it's, it's not necessarily a specific number. It's more that people that make their money purely by a paycheck mm -hmm. are, those are the people that usually are not what we call wealthy. Right. doesn't mean you can't make $200,000, but that's a pretty good paycheck. Sure. It's that laws are written to protect and encourage and make tax-free or pretty close to tax-free, the wealth that is accumulated by non-salaries, not by a paycheck, by investments, <laughs> by yeah. inheritance, yeah. by being part of America's royal family, by being a Kardashian. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm making it. But I, I do think that but, there is a de so definition there, the and I think difference. people misunderstand it. Yeah, so those are the laws that get passed because in order to run for the basic formula is at its simplest at its most simple level is it costs a lot of money to run for office. And so therefore you need the contributions of oftentimes moneyed people. Sure. And they are more likely, this is a generality, but they are more likely to contribute large sums of money to a politician that once in office will protect their wealth. Don't be passing lots of regulations. Don't be taxing my non-salaried income. Don't be taxing my inheritance. It's that kind of thing. So right. it's not that these wealthy people are doing anything illegal. Right. It's that the crime is that what they're doing is legal because we pass laws to benefit people like me. Yes. Which is an absurdity. I mean, God love you, but ridiculous. <laughs> yes, but I don't have a castle and that's ticking me off. <laughs> you know, we, we I suggested to Mickey that we put a <laughs> moat around our house and she said no. Well, <laughs> she's so anti-moat. She's anti, and she'll go on record saying that anti-moat. Anti <laughs> yeah. No, some... but thank you, because I like that is a, a conversation that I've had with friends and families saying, okay, so these rules are written to benefit the wealthy, but what is considered wealth? It's not $250,000 a year as a family. It's much more exactly. wealth. Exactly. Yeah. It like wealth that comes in and like, I call it mailbox money. Yeah. You're although, not, yeah. although we should say that a family, let's say of four, yep. making $250,000, even if we don't consider that wealthy, it's, it's probably considered wealthy to someone who's trying well to get to by on $30,000 a year. And, uh, you know, it's, so it's, again, it's the perspective. Yep. And uh, if you look at the 
average wealth of white people versus the average wealth of people of color, there is such a discrepancy. Yeah. There is such, because historically to this day, we make it very difficult for most people of color to accumulate wealth. Yeah. Because most of people's, whatever wealth they have comes, oftentimes the greatest portion usually comes from what they own, the house they own, the property they own. And then paying off debt. Well, (laughs) if you're confined by building codes and, uh, you know, and uh, to live in a high rise of low-income people, what used to be called the ghetto, you don't accumulate wealth. It's just not going to happen. And so generation after generation, the wealthy get wealthy, and and, and that's why you get... Rich get rich and the poor get poor. Yeah. Yeah, something happened. I, I appreciate that. Like like I said, that was a conversation that we've had, and I appreciate your explanation of that, Jerry. Sure. It's something happened in my uh, life recently, and I found myself almost like a Pavlovian dog, uh, an instinct, which was uh, when anything, when any moral question comes up, I always think of my moral compass, which would be Jerry Springer. He is and always has been. (laughs) And it made me, when this thing happened, it made me say, and I caught myself doing it right in the middle of this quick decision needed, and I put my index finger, the point of it on my chin. And I went, Hmm, what would Jerry do? And I thought, man, that's what I find myself doing a lot is before I do something, say, I wonder wonder what Jerry would do. And then it made me wonder how well we all know him. Do we really know? Because if you're going to use what would Jerry do, you kind of have to know Jerry and and what he really do that. So I thought, dude, this is perfect. I got Megan and Casey. David Pruce, our technical producer, me, I'm Gene Galvin, and I'm the chief executive producer in the show. Chief executive producer. I thought you were executive, executive producer. Yes, double executive. Senior executive. (laughs) So picture us as a panel, and Jerry uh, lays out of it for a minute, because I'm just going to put forward two short, several short uh, hypotheticals, and then I bet, I wonder if when I do this, if we're all going to say, oh, I think you would do this in case you go, no, I, I'm not so sure. I think you would do that. And then we can actually, when we're done with them, say, Jerry, what would you have done? So we call this, <laughs> what would Jerry do? So the first one, picture this, Jerry goes into a nice store in a downtown setting and he's shopping for a lovely gift for his wife. And he, as he's making his selection, in one of the high-priced departments of the store, he catches out of the corner of his eye some motion, and he kind of glances over there, and it is a woman who is looking around and taking merchandise and pushing it into her purse, and then she closes her purse. What do you think Jerry would do? Megan, what do you think he would do? Bing, depends on if he knows her or if he doesn't. Or if he has even paid attention to anything around him, which he usually doesn't. So I'm going to say Jerry does nothing. That's nothing. What do you think, Casey? I think uh, Jerry walks over to the woman and says, excuse me, ma'am. Do you have enough room in that purse for a size seven? And and hands her the dress that he was looking to buy for Mickey. And uh, says, I'll make it worth your while on the back end. 
That's what he I uses her kind of as a mule, so to speak. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> no David Cruz, what do you think? Do you think he's uh, he, he goes immoral on this, or does he take the high road? Uh, let's see. Jerry would probably go the high road and probably very quietly say something to the person that worked at the store about the other person taking the merchandise. Okay. He oh, so he's going to squeal. Yeah. He's going to be a narc. That's what I would do. <laughs> All right, I'm with David. I think he dropped a dime on the. Uh, I think he'd take out his iPhone and do 911 or call. I don't know. He called somebody. Here, what do I you think, think about this? Go back, and this is totally hypothetical. Way before Jerry was even married, he's a student at Tulane University, and he arrives a freshman, joins a fraternity, and he borrows a car from one of the guys in the dorm, and he gets fixed up. So he's on a blind date. Goes out, he has a lovely evening, takes this woman to dinner. He gets back, pulls up in front of her sorority house, and he says to himself, I really liked tonight. It was fun. I like this girl. I'd like to ask her out again. He turns to ask her, would you like to go out again? And as he turns towards her, she is now on her knees on the passenger seat. She grabs his head and she goes in to kiss him. What would Jerry do? Oh, 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 oh. Vomit on her lap. Okay, because he did that one. No, my <laughs> girl did that to him. So he'd be so nervous by his first kiss in life. Puking on her lap he'd for sure. What do you think, Casey? Does he uh what's he do? Uh I think he panics and stalls and says, Hey, my granddad just got this wonderful new earpiece uh because he's hard of hearing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And she oh, says, oh, really? And he says, yes, it's so good. Uh, and then he tells the rest of the joke. That's what <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's 4.30 or something. something. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> David, what's Jerry do? Oh, he's a gentleman. He would probably uh, help the girl out, help her get home safely and, you know, do the, the most that he could for her. Yeah, I see. I again, I'm agree with David. I think he doesn't. I think he's so well trained by his mom back in uh, Queens, New York, that he doesn't take advantage of the situation and stick his tongue down her throat. I don't think he does that. No, he was I too busy puking she on just her lap. Threw up, you told me. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I think he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! We're way too soon for this." I really respect you and. I would like to go out with you again. He was on his way to synagogue. So yeah, yeah. like he, he was, was already in a, in a prayer for man- manner. So, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Then we're going to ask Jerry. <clears throat> Jerry was in the military. He was a JAG member of a JAG unit, but in a reserve unit. So they, you know, signed up and they go off to do basic training. And then they owed the army, uh, you know, a, fr- a Saturday, Sunday, once a month and in a, a two week summer camp. So that's that was the drill. <clears throat> so Jerry has joked with us about how when he would go to the meetings, those monthly meetings at the armory in Cincinnati, then nobody had a complete uniform, such a ragtag bunch of guys. That, you know, one guy had a shirt, another guy had the tie with a T-shirt, <laughs> someone else had the pants, one guy had one shoe. It was just a ragtag bunch. And Jerry is goes to the monthly meeting and two guys in suits come in and they call him by name after talking to a sergeant. And they say, we want to meet with you in a room in the armory. And they go off and they sit him down and they say, uh, you can't tell anybody about this ever. Not not anybody, not your wife, nobody. 
but we are inviting you and we need you need to volunteer if you're going to do this to go off and do a special mission in Cambodia during Vietnam War. We weren't even supposed to be. So they're going to ask him to go off and do a secret mission. He's going to do some intelligence work. What does Jerry do? Does he do it or does he say, ah, come up with some excuse? What do you think, Megan? Uh, well, if it's involving intelligence work, I think there would probably have to be a hard pass on that. So. <laughs> I said he I, I would say he said thanks, but no thanks and politely okay. declined. <laughs> OK, Casey, what's he do? I think I think that Jerry plays the long game and he uh, goes in and uh, decides to get or tells people that he got a law degree. And then becomes a news anchor and then becomes a television talk show host. And uh, to this day, he'll deny it. And uh, we'll never know the truth. That's what I think. Interesting. Who was Gerald? I'm See, I, Casey, I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you were going to say, when you said Jerry's going to play the long game, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. That means that Jerry is going to say yes. Oh, yeah, that, that's exactly he's what I'm going I mean. to say. Yes, he's going to be a patriot because actually yeah. I do think that that is what's inside him. He would say, yes, it will be. And they'd say, look, it's got a lot of dangers. You're in a country where no one knows we're even in. That's, that's right. That I, and the long game, Casey, that I thought you were going to say is that Jerry could look out and see his political future, knowing that if he had this eventually on his resume, where it eventually gets talked out and talked mm -hmm. about, it would be like, dude, that guy running for Congress uh, did uh, oh, you know, did what hardly see. anybody did. You're he both absolutely right. That's, I'm that's, sorry. That's 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 good. Yeah, that's yeah, better. I'm sorry. That what would I was be thinking, his long yeah. game. And see, David, I was what, thinking, what, Jerry's well, I was long game that. would be about five minutes long, and then. <laughs> Blame Gene somehow for having to get out of look, the game. All I'm saying, Gene run I'm it the saying, rest of the time. <laughs> all I'm saying is that we'll never really know if Operation I want to go to Miami <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. happened or not. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Go to Boca. We went there last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, and David, what do you think? Does he answer the call for America or not? What do you think? Uh, I think he probably would like to, but I think he would probably say. I'd love to help, but I'm not perfectly qualified to do it. Oh, that's good. So he, he would want to, he'd be conflicted and he would follow his chicken side and say, <laughs> and he would send you, Gene. He'd yeah. send you. Yeah. So much. Here's one last Gene one. can show up for you. <laughs> yeah. One last one. Jerry's driving on a rural road, um, hardly even in cell distance. And all by himself, and he comes upon, uh, you know, squints and says he's driving along twisty road. And he says, oh, my God, it looks like a dead body. And he gets closer and he stops the car and he says that that is a dead body face down in the middle of the road. Just Jerry. What would Jerry do? Megan? Well, I'm letting Casey answer this one first. I got what do you think, think Casey? This. What would Jerry do? <laughs> Passing off the hard question here for. Oh yeah, okay. brother, go ahead. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think Jerry does the noble thing. I think he goes full fledged David Hasselhoff Baywatch, and he tries to <laughs> put CPR on the man and save his life. And then, in fact, he does. And uh, 
he becomes the musical coordinator of his podcast. One day graduates to becoming yeah, <laughs> a right. musical coordinator. That's right. It's like and the by Tyler the way, Killer and, and Casey, there would be a song, a ballad written about this event, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and and by the, the way, Casey, man on the road, he picked up a body. He didn't <laughs> really mean to, but it was there. <laughs> hey, uh, to do Casey, what you just said, let's get real for a second. If if he got out of that car and he's going to try to save a life, roll the body over and do CPR, that and all kidding aside, that's like forget about COVID. That's right. You are getting down on somebody and saving their life. Of, That's right. Well, you're getting close to them. You no longer breathe in any, hold the nose, breathe in the mouth. But you're right over them and you're doing staying alive. That, 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 staying alive. That's the rhythm. And you just keep mm-hmm. pumping on the chest. And if they're, you know, whatever, you're getting it right in the face. Okay, so you say he does the right thing. David, what do you think he does? I think he asked his personal assistant to ask his chauffeur to call 911. There you go. I think Jerry calls 911, and if he gets through, I think Jerry does what's ever asked of him, whatever that may be. And if they say go over and pump on his chest, uh, I think he would. Uh, I think if Jerry is alone by himself, Gene, first of all, he doesn't know where his phone is. He has yeah, no personal was, assistant. He doesn't know. know how to drive in the dark. So how did he yeah. get out there? Okay. Like, there's a whole lot of things going on with the situation that would never actually not, happen. Not so this, really. this poor guy on the plot. side of the road is dead. Yeah, a lot of potholes in this one. <laughs> let's go and let's go in reverse order, Jerry. What do you do? What would you actually do if you came across a body in the middle of a road? Well, first of all, people should know that that actually happened with you. And you uh-huh. did the noble thing. Gene saw a body in the road when he was traveling. And uh, it was a really? nothing else on the road. And uh, he saw the body there and he stopped. And he did call, as I remember, you did call 911. Uh, but in the meantime, you stood there and took instructions about what you should be doing. And you stuck around there for, it was a guy on a motorcycle and the motorcycle was off on the side of the road, went down a hill. So he obviously had been hurt, if not killed in the auto, in the, uh, with the motorcycle accident. Wow. But uh, Gene, I don't think you touched the body yet, but you got all the instructions. What did you do, Gene? I did uh, what Jerry would do. I was guided by Jerry. No, I, I, I would have called. Yeah. And, and, you would have and, called 911. Uh, yeah, I think virtually and you anybody would call because yeah. that's, you know, that's not even, yeah, that's what you do and you you wait, someone's going to come. So wait, like, no, like Unless what happened? A, like, yeah. you can't like stuff. So, yeah, so there was this body on the road. Gene well, saw body on the road what was the end of it. Gene? I thought I thought the guy was dead because he was face down, not moving, pull of blood by his ear and da 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 da. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it, to be honest. In other words, I'm not a trained first responder. I don't particularly enjoy the sight of blood. So I'm a normal human being. So I wanted to stay in my car or see if I could work my way around him on this narrow See, I don't think a Bentley. See, my Bentley wouldn't get around. That's what I'd be concerned about. For those roads. 
Yeah, and I'd be calling nine one one and say, "Could you please move this body? <laughs> I'm body late." Out of road. Now, there it so is. They, so, so I, ladies I, and gentlemen, we now have the truth. Welcome Gene, back. Yeah, Gene did, <laughs> they gave Gene me instruction right, on Gene on what the right to do, thing and, and, yeah. and eventually well, uh, we, we got a bunch of people there. What to, would Jerry or, do? Jerry's going to call Gene. That's yeah, what right. Jerry's gonna do. <laughs> uh, well, Gene, what do we do? He looks, he looks terrible. Been the answer to all of them. He calls yeah. Gene. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Gene. Dang it. Can I take my answers back? <laughs> <laughs> right. So the guy was alive when I left uh, and moving around a bit, never spoke. So he was hurt pretty bad. Uh, right. on a well, this was date. lovely. Thank you, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, on the blind date, Jerry. What yes. would you do? First date and this girl comes in and is going to, you know, make out with you and who knows. Well, what else? you probably okay, that know. never happened. So that's and not yes, even the making out part wouldn't have happened. But as you probably know, that did actually happen to me. And that's how no. I met Mickey. Uh, because it was a. No, it's a, not. Yes, I, I I was set up on a blind date. I just I know that. Sense. But she did not like hop on. Did you she, and start yeah, making no, out. no. <laughs> no, but how I met Mickey was because this was a blind date set up by the new husband of a, of a young woman I used to date. This was yeah. back in 1969. Oh, okay. And I just arrived in town to start practicing law, whatever. And this guy called me up. Hey, Jerry, welcome to Cincinnati. And uh, he worked at Procter and Gamble. And, you know, there were a ton of young women working there. And, uh, you know, this was a Friday afternoon and he put a her, this woman on the phone, and I talked to her, and I said, well, I'll, I'll pick you up right after work. So, and I just bought my first, my first car, first new car, and it was a little 850 Spider convertible. It was tin. You, you sat on it, and it would bend, but it looked great. You could run faster than it, but it looked great. <laughs> and I'm figuring, here I am, 26 years old, a hotshot young attorney, <laughs> and I, it's a Friday afternoon. I'm driving by Parker. I left the law office. I drove right by Parker and Gamble. And there she is standing on the corner. Really cute young lady gets in the car and I'm going down I-75. We're going to dinner. All Where were you sudden, going? Do you remember? I don't. I think it might have been Mike Fink's. Is that <gasps> the Mike Fink. Yeah. Oh, the the boat. Okay. A restaurant. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Going down <laughs> the expressway, you know, feeling, oh man, this is a beautiful evening. And all of a sudden she turns to me. I'm probably going 70 miles an hour down the expressway. She turns to me and throws up all over me. <laughs> now, she meant, <laughs> she meant to turn to me. And say, could you please pull over? But she mistimed it. And she felt horrible. And she's just crumbling on the <laughs> on the floor in front of, you know, in front of the, her seat, crying. I mean, just you can imagine the humiliation. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, there goes my new car. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but, and what really happened is, you know, I pulled over on the side of the expressway. She was just crying uncontrollably. I said, it's, it's fine. It's okay. Don't, you know. So I took her home. I didn't kiss her goodnight because, you know, it was. So uh, <laughs> the next Friday, I won't say what her name was, but the next Friday, in about three in the afternoon, the same fella calls me mm -hmm. in, in the law office and he says, Jerry, 
And I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll just get the guy's first name. This is Lee. Don't hang up. <laughs> and he says, I got another one. I oh, said, my God. She? He says, what? And I said, what did she have for lunch? <laughs> oh, my God. And that other one was Mickey. Oh, I have another was, one. How and funny. Mickey, and that was that was our, our first client. That's when I met Mickey. That's that great. Oh, my God. If you saw somebody shoplifting and it's just on you, what would yep. you do? My, as honest as I can be. Yeah. I just know myself. First of all, if it was a really big guy. Yeah. I would be a little bit physically afraid. So I probably would just uh, let someone there know, you know, I would say what's going on. You would do that though. (laughs) Unless, and I, I kind of admit, if it looks like some really poor guy, you know, I would rationalize turn the other way and just, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like if it's, uh, a, if it's if like it a loaf was, of bread at a grocery store. If it was someone that purse. I was not physically afraid of, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably go up to the person and say, you know, they got cameras all over the place. You know, I wouldn't moralize. I'd say, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know, it's probably a good idea that you go, you, you not go, uh, that you just put that back and kind of walk out of here. I would also, because I have done this in the past in physical confrontations, I, which sounds really stupid, but I, there have been occasions when they're young guys, like a gang of guys kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tell them I'm Jerry Springer. And yeah. suddenly the reaction is usually, oh man, what? Jerry, yeah, yeah, Jerry. So what I would then embellish the story, I say, look, we're, we're filming here. I think you better just get going empty what you just took and get out of here you got cameras all over this place so i would do something like that you really are just a nice guy aren't you well i got i mean i think you don't want to i mean if it looks like someone who's well frankly needing people that do would have either a mental problem or Damn it, you know, Jerry, you can ruin any that. bit on anything by just <laughs> being a nicer. Like, this no, was supposed to be comedy, and you're like, well, actually, let's moralize. No, we want to know. Yeah, you're right. Okay, but then I'd say, if I had a hearing aid, oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah, I would say, that is the <laughs> finest hearing aid money can buy, isn't it? Uh, I knew so- it. Would you answer the patriotic call if you uh, were ever uh, faced with that situation? Purely depends on my age. Really? If when I was, you know, young and single, yeah, and had opportunities to do something exciting, yeah, it wouldn't be rational. The yeah. the, the proper response should be, I'm not qualified to do that. Would you crazy? You know. I, and secondly, I was against the war, so I certainly wouldn't want to go to Cambodia. Yeah, because we so the weren't supposed is, to be there. So the so answer I would have is. Said, go oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jerry. So, um, but I know that I did some daring things just from the excitement. Yeah, which is another story we've talked about once before. You know, meeting with the that PLO one zip line. In, yeah, yeah. In, in we know, buddy. So, in other words, did Jerry uh, participate in any assassination attempts? Tune in next week. 
<laughs> there we go. You know what, Casey? I really love you for your segues there because <laughs> speaking of daring things, we want to hear a little bit more about your next song. So. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, we got a brand new yeah, song. This was supposed here. to be fun. <laughs> Thank you again, Jerry, for just so shitting all over that, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't you just can't help be anybody but you and that's all right so, i'd love them <laughs> uh yeah we got a brand new song for you this is on the upcoming uh price Hill hustle album this is actually a solo cut this is a song i wrote called no love at all it was recorded by a, a bonfire in my backyard and uh, no hope kidding. you like it yeah very cool Shout out to the depression, uh, the, the depression sessions. My friend Bear Smith from England recorded these. He was over here a few weeks ago. Very cool. Okay, this so is me love, tuning. No love at all. <laughs> Correct. No love at all. <laughs> <laughs> no tuning at all. <laughs> there ain't no love like water. When you're dying of thirst There ain't no love that tugs at your heart like your first There ain't no love worth trading For silver and gold There ain't no love that keeps you turned out in the cold For a love to burn true You must answer the call And if you find yourself guessing It's no love at all No love that's perfect No love that's unstained But there's love out there Waiting for the wind to call your name There ain't no love worth saving You can't put on a shell And if you cry, curse, and bleed Don't save the love, save yourself For a love to burn true mm -hmm. Must answer the call If you find yourself guessing it ain't no love at all It ain't no love at all All my favorite memories 
in a box by the door When the laughter creeps in, Lord, they call out for more I once thought love would rescue These final days from my past But if you ask too much of love, it's got no chance to last Love to burn true You must answer the call And if you find yourself a guessing it ain't no love at all Cause if it's speaking in whispers, it's no love at all. It ain't no love at all. It ain't no love at all. It ain't no love at all. Casey Campbell, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, no thank you, thank you. love at all. And Casey, I have to ask you, man, like, first of all, sure. it said that was uh, released on September 11th of That's this correct. year. Yep. So that sounded like real bugs, real fire, real everything. <laughs> That's real everything. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Thank you very like much. The, you could smell the campfire. Yeah. You can't oh, like, well, man, there it. was a lot of heart in that. I really enjoyed that. That well, was thank really, you so really much. cool. I like that song very much. That's so I appreciate beautiful. It. Yep. So check yes. him out. He's our, our lovely, wonderful friend, Casey Campbell. He does all of our musical selections for us. So it's always a treat to have him with us in person. Case. Hey, to it's glad to again. be, I'm glad to be back. It's been a long Hell while. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, tell we, tell us where we can week. listen to you more and tell us where, you know, tell our fans, buddy, let them know. Well, uh, you can find me on, uh, the internet, Casey Campbell, Casey-Campbell.com is my website. You can find the band, uh, the Price Hill Hustle at PriceHillHustle.com. Anywhere you find your music, just type those two things in and it'll pull it right up for you. So we've got all kinds of shows coming up and, you know, and we'll be at it as long as they'll have us. So. Well, Casey is like, we're so lucky to have you, man. Like you just, you bring us fantastic talent and you yourself are just so stinking talented. It's disgusting. So, you know, thank you for <laughs> well, making us all feel yeah, great I'm, about I'm ourselves. By that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can tell. I can feel it. I can feel yeah. it. Here we right. all feel like shit. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> could, you, um, could you miss a couple of notes? <laughs> could you just oh, be flat once in a while? Just you once. just listen long enough, uh, Gary, and I promise you, I'll take care of that. Oh, I like how you hit a couple of <laughs> make sure that uh you check out us online as well tales tunes and tomfoolery you can check us out tales and tomfoolery.com check us out on spotify anywhere you listen to your podcast make sure you like us and of course give our friend casey some likes and all of our other artists make sure you're going to our website going through archives finding them all they're all delightful um casey and jerry are going to take us out and we will see you guys in another couple weeks Mwah! <laughs> Down my heavy load Down by the riverside 